Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It's a Wednesday PFTOT from Chicago. We'll be spending the rest of the week here having some fun, getting ready for week one and more specifically Packers-Bears on Thursday night. Chris, uh, we, we got plenty of things to discuss that we weren't able to jam into the two hours we had on TV. And Zeke, the new contract with him and the Cowboys, the, the dominant story right now in the NFL. One thing we didn't get to because we peeled that onion every way we could. But what do we expect from him now that he's going to be back? What do you expect? Not just week one, right. full season. What is a reasonable expectation for Ezekiel I, I Reasonably, listen, the first week one, week two, I don't think we're going to see, you know, 100% of Ezekiel Elliott. I think we're going to see a guy that's somewhere between 80 and 90%. But I think once we get to week three and beyond, we're going to see very close to what we've seen from Ezekiel Elliott the, the last three years in, in the NFL, which is one of the best running backs in football. Um, I, I think he's going to be in the conversation for leading the league in rushing once again. But I do think guys like Saquon Barkley and Le'Veon Bell in that situation will probably challenge that a little more this year to where I go, ooh, you know, I'm not so sure I'm definitely picking the lead in the league in rushing, but certainly towards the top five, top three, whatever it may be. And we know he's going to get a lot of number of catches or a number of touches and catches in the passing game to go off that as well. He had 1,631 yards rushing as a rookie. That's his career high. Last year, 1,434, under 1,000 in 2017 because of the six-game suspension. But, you know, look, this is what the Cowboys bought, the straw that stirs the drink. And he needs to be healthy, and he needs to be productive. And if he's not, the Cowboys aren't going to keep him for the full eight years of that contract. He's no. tied to them for eight years, right. barring a renegotiation. They're probably tied to him for two or three as a practical matter. And if he does fall off a cliff, and you never know what's going to happen with sure, the running back. Right. If he gets injured, if he becomes ineffective, then he won't be there come 2022. No, probably not. It is. It's all about those three years, the first three years of the contract, the guaranteed money, what you're going to get there. Uh, and, and really, you know, I, I think with the number of years that he adds on to the contract in general, that's very friendly to the Cowboys to so lessen that year-by-year year blow. And hopefully they're going to reward him. And I know we haven't seen those details, you know, early on in his contract to where, yeah, okay, he's still playing at a high level. But it should really be almost one of those things where, oh, sorry, I just kind of spit on your computer. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's okay. No, that's fine. But either way, it should I'm, be one I'm of those things. I'm glad I'm not a germaphobe where, like you. Yeah, they should want Ezekiel Elliott to see year four, year five, year six of this contract. I mean, that means he's still performing at a high level, and it also will mean that they're getting him at a, a pretty good uh, price tag at that point in his career, too. One of the very real dynamics as he shows up for the season, this idea that if he gets injured, it's going to be blamed on the holdout. And, look, at, at what point does that get into his head? Does that get into the team's heads? Like, we can't – we have – Almost like the way the Jets handled Le'Veon Bell in the preseason. We can't take risks with a guy because then if he gets hurt, we look stupid for giving him all this money. Kind of the same thing with Elliott. If he gets injured, if they use him too much early, yeah, right. if he's got it in his head, one of these car crashes potentially is going to injure me and it's going to be my fault for holding out. It's going to be a big controversy. Does that enter into this at all, that concern? Yes. I mean, if he gets injured and, and he's not on the football team, I think this is a dramatically different offense in general. 
You know, but you, does the fact that it would be pinned to the holdout, does ooh. that get into people's brains I don't, from the coaching staff perspective, from Elliott's perspective? I don't think so. I think if they do it the right way, it shouldn't get to that point to where, again, I, I always say this, and you've heard me say this before. The one thing I learned being up in New England, right, my, my 16 or 18 months I was there, is nobody was ever rushed back from injury or situations like this. Let's get them in shape. Let's not put too much on his plate. I think I used an example once with you with Rob Gronkowski where I got, you know, ooh, he's practicing good this week. And then it was the second week, and I go, oh, he's practicing good week. He must play this. He's going to play this week. And then, no, it was another two or three weeks because Belichick wanted to bring him along slowly, get him in shape, make sure he's full, you know, full systems go when it became late November. Hopefully they're smart to do that here this early on. England. I know it's not. England. I know. They've got, they've got the new toy. The, the, or it, it's almost like your car's been in the shop. Yes. Right? Yes. And you had to pay a hell of a lot of money to get the car out of the shop in time for the prom or whatever big event you would have, yes. your wedding, whatever. Sure. You, got, you right. got your car back and you paid all that money and you're not quite sure the car is 100%. Yeah, but, but man, but you want to step on that pedal. I, we are taking it out and right. we are driving it tonight. Don't do it. Don't. Use them more as a decoy early on in the, in the season. The Patriots would do it the way you're saying. Yeah. But also the Patriots wouldn't get themselves in this spot where Probably they're paying not. five no. years or $90 million or six years rather $90 million to a running back. All right. At some point, the Cowboys are going to be paying far more than $90 million to Dak Prescott. There's a belief in league circles that he just needs to get his deal done by this weekend, that having $2 million as his compensation for this year with no guarantee, no protection, no security beyond this season, you can't say no to that offer that's on the table. Whatever that offer is, you can't say no to it because even though quarterbacks are protected, injuries happen. Just look at Alex Smith last, last year yeah. and his broken leg. Should he take whatever the best offer is, should he take it? when the weekend rolls around. Well, I mean, it depends on what that best offer is. I mean, I think if it's like down in like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo territory, no. I, I understand him not wanting to do that. Don't be pressured into it. You've definitely earned the right to make more than Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I would think Dak Prescott and his camp, especially right now, are going, okay, we can understand maybe not getting as much as Jared Goff. We're cool with that. His resume, what he's done, okay. But then they're going to look at Carson Wentz and go, but we do feel like, you know, our player has a leg up on Carson Wentz. Now, do I, you know, again, I think Carson Wentz is the most talented of all of them. But the fact of the matter is, you know, Carson Wentz has been hurt. And last year, it wasn't great early on in the year and all those things. Dak Prescott's gone to the playoffs Never missed three a game. years. I know, right. So they're going to have that argument to where if it is somewhere between Goff and Wentz, I hope he takes it and moves on and secures his family and future livelihood uh, within signing that contract. And you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo, and let me just reiterate this point, and this is one of the things that drives me crazy about how the NFL and the NFLPA and agents and teams value contracts. Yes. Because if, as of right now, you take the one year left on Dak Prescott's deal and rip it up and give him the same contract that Jimmy Garoppolo got from the 49ers early 2018, five years, $27.5 million per year. Right, right now, right. at signing... That's the value. That would be fair. That would be more than fair, yeah. right? The way that it works is that gets reported by the NFL Players Association as a deal that would have an average value of $34 million a year. Because if you pay five years, $27.5 million per year, you have to factor in he was only going to make $2 million this year. So it becomes a four-year extension for all that new money. Right. And it pumps up to $34 million a year. And right. that's that's one of the reasons why I think they haven't gotten this done. Yeah. Because when you view it as $34 million, people are like, how in the hell is Dak Prescott worth $34 million a year? Well, hang on. Is he worth five years, $27.5 million? 
remove the current deal that he has left and right. give him that, people would say, well, yeah, that's more than reasonable. Right. And that's that drives me crazy. Well, hopefully the Be Cowboys aren't being petty about that. Well, I mean, you know, to me, to what do you care if the public thinks it's 34 and but you're really paying them 27? That should be a good deal for them, right? I mean, would you think not or no? I think I think that it would be, and I'd like to see somebody other than me yeah. stand up and explain this distinction. Yeah, Everybody right. goes crazy. Yeah, because yeah, here's the thing. The teams, it helps the teams because they act like they're paying more than they really are. Yeah. You know, oh, oh we're paying $34 million a year. We right. can't do that. Well, right. you're not. You're paying $27.5 million a year. Yeah, let the player think he's making $34 million a year, or, or at least the public think that. Yeah, Who but, cares? But, but that they, they, you're worried about the way they it use it to up, squeeze them down. Squeeze them down, yeah. or other agents use it to squeeze them uh, eventually to say, you're paying this guy this much per year. I just think it's a bad way of valuing these contracts because there is no such thing as an extension, folks. What they do is they do an entirely new contract that begins right now they yeah. rip up the old one and they replace it with the new one it is not an extension it's a new deal will today. it get done do you think he signs a new deal before sunday yes you do yes wow yeah you've been kind of all over this crap so for some reason i'm gonna I, I don't you. know i don't know yeah but anything. your gut's been good lately well, i, I, I mean, feel like thank you, you. Had lots of pasta and meatballs I, I, in there yeah, it's I mean, been good <laughs> it's been a long off season it's been a good off season all right uh very good off season at least more recently for jared goff the Rams have signed him to a contract with $33.5 million per year in new money. Neither of us picked Jared Goff in today's draft, which was which teams could have buyer's remorse regarding quarterbacks. Why didn't we pick Jared Goff? I, I kind of felt like it was just the obvious thing, and he was the jumping-off point of the draft to where, where I wanted to have more conversations maybe about other guys. I mean, do I have buyer's remorse, or would I have a little bit buyer's remorse paying Jared Goff you know, $34 million a year? Yeah, I would to a degree. I don't think he is the type of talent that carries a football team week in and week out like some of the other quarterbacks that are, are paid in his, in his stratosphere. Uh, I don't. But at the same time, I also recognize that the Rams, they got a guy. There's not a lot of these guys out there on the street, and they feel comfortable with where he's at. Um, and, and the biggest thing is this is just the world we've come into in the NFL. It's the next quarterback up, gets the next big contract, and, and trumps everybody except for, you know, in this case, Russell Wilson uh, and Ben Roethlisberger, who, yes, he's not even in their class or their stratosphere at this point, but that's the way of the NFL, and the perception and public pressure around it is that Jared Goff is a big-time franchise quarterback, and the Rams for that are, are backed into a corner to a degree. You gave the very common sense, honest, transparent answer as to why neither of us picked Jared Goff. We had talked about Jared Goff throughout the show. Yes. This gave us a chance to talk about some others. I'll right. give you the lawyer answer okay. as to why we didn't pick him. Yeah. Here's the lawyer answer. Yeah. If you want to defend why we didn't pick him. Number one, we don't know the structure of the deal. Yes, that's it, right. It may be a deal that the Rams can easily escape. Maybe there isn't a lot of money up front. Until we know the structure, we won't know how much regret they could have. Also... By the time we get to the point where the Rams would be saying, oh, man, we may have paid this guy too much money, the market may have exploded. Right. And they may look at it and say, $33.5 per year for this guy's a pretty good deal because Patrick Mahomes is making 43 and Baker Mayfield's making 44 yeah. and Kyler Murray's making 42 and, hey, 33 for golf, you know, and the salary cap's $220 million per year per team. Yeah, we don't have regret because we got to have a quarterback, and this is a pretty good deal in year four, five, and six. Right. So there's a chance they won't have buyer's remorse because they know that they're buying at a time when they could be on the cusp 
of feeling like, you know, almost like the Panthers with Cam Newton. They don't yeah. have buyer's remorse. Yeah. They gave him a market value contract at the time he signed, right. but it's $20 million a year. Right. Hey, this is great because look at what the market has done. So yeah. that would be the lawyer's answer as to why we omitted Jared Goff. I, that, that, that's, that's fair. And, you know, my football answer is franchise quarterbacks got to deliver when the coaching staff or some of the players aren't at their best. And that's my big question. Now, we saw it a little in the Saints game, okay, in the NFC Championship game. But the Saints play man-to-man like almost every play. So that's not it's not real hard to just figure out what the Saints are doing. But when it was the Bears or the Eagles or the New England Patriots, the plays were not made there in those games that you would expect a guy $34 million a year to be making or a franchise quarterback. I can promise you that Mahomes, Rodgers, Carson Wentz, and some of those guys would have hit the first wide-open post in the Super Bowl And then certainly would have hit the other one that we talk about in the back of the end zone where the guy was standing there waving his arms for a period of time. And then he threw a fluttering ball into the back of the end zone to where a corner who was 30 yards away got the ball in time and knocked it down. See, those are just little things that I have to see. He's going to have to prove me wrong. And I hope he does because it's not personal. This is just business and football that he's worthy of this type of contractor being that kind of guy. I'm glad you mentioned that play because yesterday Peter King used the example of the first time they ran that play and Brandon Cooks popped wide open in the first half of the Super Bowl as evidence that moving forward Sean McVay is going to say that's your first read. Well, I guarantee you by the time they did it the second time in that game, McVay had said to Jared Goff, that's your first read. That's why they did it again. Yes, they could say all they want. Mike, that play, I promise you, Mike, He's run it since high school. It is not a complicated play. You play Madden video games, right? It's one guy going on a post and one guy going on a deep cross, and they play action pass. Whoa, they reinvented the freaking (laughs) wheel there. Holy crap. That is a truly, like, some people call that play NCAA because it's it's in every college team's playbook. He's been running that play forever. There's no excuses for that. Sean McVay's done a great job to defuse it and put the blame on himself so the public doesn't get on Jared Goff. McVay's been great at massaging and bringing Goff along his whole career. And that's why I say to this point, he's still more of a system guy than I look as a franchise guy. When you play Madden a lot, you realize how simple football can be. Sure, right. I'll run the same pass play over and over again, and I can tell... By the alignment pre-snap, right. who's going to be open, right. and then once the defensive start, once the linebacker and the safety starts moving, I know which guy's going to be open. There I run the go. same damn play. Sure, this got X button this time, triangle button this time, circle button this time, yeah. and I, I know it's more complicated than that. No, but, but some of these plays they are that simple. They are that you simple. You make that read based upon where the safety goes, where the linebacker goes, how, whether it's man or zone, whatever the case may be, and you know who's going to be open. Yes, and you throw the ball, and that's that. Right, and the great teams that play against those teams, where you go, oh, I got, we have our plays, and we're good. At and we execute them, you know, the great defenses, they go, ooh, I know they like to run this in these formations. I'm going to put people in all the areas where, oh, they think they know the reads, but, oh, gosh, we're going to have people every time he looks at first read. Ooh, God, there's a guy there. Oh, second guy. Oh, gosh, there's a guy there. Oh, third guy. Oh, now now i got to scramble, and it's just absolutely backyard football. Or, or, or that guy that you think do. is moving one way, and he ends up moving the other right. way, and, and by the time you let go of the ball, it's You're too going, late to do oh, anything about no, it. Oh, no, I'm going to throw an <laughs> interception. It's a horrible <laughs> feeling. It's a horrible feeling. You're familiar with that feeling? I'm very familiar. Yes. All right. Uh, Quentin Williams is probably not familiar with the feeling of being a backup. With no. the Jet in there. Now, look, we, we've gone through the preseason where people put out depth charts and act like they don't mean anything. Now we're getting ready for the regular season. Teams put out depth charts and act like they don't mean anything. Yeah. But here's Quentin Williams, third pick in the draft, backup at defensive tackle for the New York Jets. Yeah. 
Is this just like motivational or has he been a disappointment? No, this is something I've talked about on my podcast a little bit. He has been definitely underwhelming to this point as far as uh, preseason football was concerned. Now, this is a young human being. This is a guy that's only 21 years old, right? He's still learning his ways as far as NFL life. And I do think there'll be a little bit of a learning curve there. And again, I mean, his college film was, as you heard me say, it was every bit as good as Aaron Donald coming out. It was that special. You had that experience where you thought you were watching a highlight I, tape, and it was a but game. it was just and one I was play like, after another. Right, and I was going, gosh, every play is in the backfield. Am I watching a highlight tape? Let me start this over. No, I'm actually watching a real game. But, yeah, I think he's, you know, getting used to life in the NFL, different calls, you're thinking, you can't unleash your physical ability. They're going to go with some guys that they feel are a little bit more of a proven commodity on the inside there. You know Leonard Williams is going to start. But Steve McClendon, a guy who's been around the NFL for a long time, was in was in Pittsburgh at one point, a few other teams who, you know, I think that takes the pressure off of Quinn and Williams. So now, okay, I get to go in the game and I'm fresh and uh, they're only asking me to do this kind of one aspect here. It might be rush the passer and passing situations, things like that, and they'll bring him along slowly. But he certainly hasn't been as dominant as you would like for the third pick of the draft. You mentioned Steve McClendon. He did play for the Steelers, and it was four years ago the Steelers started the season with a Thursday night trip to Gillette Stadium. They'll start the season Sunday night this year, another banner hanging for the Patriots. And four years ago, it became a huge story that dominated the Friday after that first game. Mike Tomlin complaining about communications issues. It was rainy that night. They were getting Scott Zolak on the on the radio call oh, and the headset. That's just what you want. And, and now Mike Tomlin asked about it again, and he's he's mum about it. It's not an issue. It's not a problem. Um, is it really an issue at Gillette Stadium, or is it? It's it's like it's kind of like an issue everywhere. And I think Tomlin got over his skis a little bit, and the league told him, "Knock it off. Don't make accusations unless you have." I, I think so. I I think that was probably one of those scenarios. And and again, everybody gets mad at New England just because you know they win all the time. So everyone, oh, they must do this. They must do that. I mean, you hear you hear you know. Uh, stories that John Arb uh, Harbaugh has the visiting locker room sweeped with like FBI surveillance things because he's not sure if they're not bugging them and they bring their own trash bags, right? Take, take all the trash right. out of the hotel we, room. I know. I'm pretty sure we did that with Tampa when we played New England. We took it all too because, you know, everybody's scared. Whoa. I mean, yeah, Bill's smart. He sends somebody into the visiting locker room after the game's over. Do they leave crap around that's going to tell us what they're going to do the next time we play them? Let's check it out. I mean, why wouldn't you do that? Is it fair game to have somebody who's on the payroll at the local hotel to go through the trash? I guess if it's trash, it's trash, It's trash, right? it's trash. You're right. Again, smart teams would bring their own trash to the hotel room as well, or the hotels and do all their of that. Their own trash bags. Their own trash bags, yes, and control that whole thing as far as, oh, the playbook's done for this week, the weekly game plan – Put it in this bin right here. We're taking this back on the plane with us. That's what the smart teams do in football. I don't think there's an issue with New England up there as far as, you know, I've played in a number of stadiums where you get inside the 20 or 30-yard line and fans are yelling because you're down in the red zone where things get choppy. And then you got to see the, running, the quarterback run over to the sideline. And I'd be like, what are you saying? I can't hear you. Okay, let me run back and, and tell the team now. And uh, that's just part of football to a degree. I don't think Bill Belichick or anybody there has got a master scheme of, of messing up the communication. Ordinarily, I'd say that's our last topic for the day, but there's yeah. another topic that someone typed under here. Are you typing obscenities at me in this I document? Wasn't was that you? I wasn't to you. I realized it was me. I wrote F-U to you, obviously, but it wasn't to you. It was really the stats and the people back in the uh This is how you deal with our room. control room? Yes.
You yes. type obscenities at them? Of course I do. You know me. I am not going to be a witness on your behalf in the inevitable harassment lawsuit. Oh, that thank you. Thank you. It was really more for stats, <laughs> so he can deal with it. The hell with him. All right. <laughs> oh, now they're all jumping yeah, now in. They're Thanks all a lot. Yeah. Let's, go. Let's get out of here before we start reading them. Oh, Everybody have a good. great day. We'll see you back here again tomorrow from Chicago. Uh, tomorrow morning for PFT Live and then PFTOT. We'll see you. See ya. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.